it is nine oh six. It is Wednesday night. It is June the tenth. Can you believe that? June the tenth, twenty twenty. Tom Kearney here with a little bit of live and in real time radio on AM six eighty and FM ninety eight point five. And I believe uh, the lady who's with us tonight has been. Well, I certainly know that she's been on with us many times. She's sort of our gardening person. But I believe this is the first time we've ever had Pam back on the telephone. Is that right, Pam? Well, it's the first time for this show. For this show? Okay. <laughs> have, we had, have we had you on uh, on, our, on our yes, show? Yes, on the Weekend Gardener. I've done a couple of episodes um, just recently the, over the past couple of months where because of all the stay-at-home restrictions and just, just airing on the side of caution, I've done the uh, show remotely. Right. Well, that's sort of the way it is, and you are remote tonight, and I am remote, but we're we're joined in the middle by John Seller, our producer, and he's going to keep us together here tonight. Uh, the uh, the gentleman who does for us, that is, takes care of our lawn and everything and flowers and so on, uh, gave Mrs. Kearney some flowers yesterday, and I thought about you, Pam. They're not fancy flowers, I don't think. I think they were gardenias. Does that make sense? Oh, wonderful, yeah. Nice smell. Yes, and so, it's really uh, the smell of the South. Um, gardenias are in full bloom around here this time of year, and it's been a good spring for them as well. I think because we had so much rain early on, and we're getting some rain tonight. Thank goodness I'm doing my little happy dance. <laughs> Earlier in the afternoon, I was doing the Temptations song, I Wish It Would Rain. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mike was laughing at no, me about it, well, it. Maybe John can find that one and play it. Yeah, absolutely, and it worked. <laughs> so, there must well, be something to it. Uh, but, well, Mr. Um, Kearney has observed are, in, in, in our backyard that uh, with all the sunshine and the rain that we've had, it's really a nice time for flowers and, and, uh, Beautiful. and the grass. Yeah. And she was driving down Barrel Road today, and she... Now, you know where Barrel Road is. Now, what what mm-hmm. was it that she saw on Barrel Road that made her think about you and flowers? Hi. Well, at this time of year, it could be hydrangeas in bloom. Well, you know what's it on could... Barrel Road, don't you? I'm, try- I'm trying the, to think. No, I'm drawing the, the, the garden. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. The state professor who uh, who wanted to grow everything in North Carolina that he could find. I've just run out of his name. He used to come through my neighborhood when I first moved to West Raleigh with classes showing them the flowers and everything. Are you talking about J.C. Ralston? J.C. Ralston, yeah. The late J.C. Ralston, yes. Right, and it was closed today, she said. She happened to be in method and, and ended up Okay, okay. Uh, you know, that's the reason I drew a blank, because there's so many beautiful trees and shrubs and vines that are in flower along the front of the J.C. Ralston Arboretum. And that was formerly the North Carolina State University Arboretum, and then it was renamed after Dr. Ralston passed, uh, tragically, in an automobile accident. And so this, I may have taken you somewhere you didn't want to go tonight because you're the one who's driving this vehicle. But I did did think there was kind of an omen in the, the gardenias and her passing the Ralston Arboretum today. The Ralston, yeah, um, there, there's so much to talk about there. But uh, I did want to 
uh, touch back on the, the fact that the gardenias are something that we grow so well here in the South, and they've done beautifully, and a lot of varieties are available to us in this area that we can grow, and a lot of that research is done uh, thanks to a nurseryman down near Schuyler City uh, named uh, Phil Dark, and he does gardenia breeding and has come up with some of the ones that are more cold tolerant and uh, repeat blooming and very sweetly scented. So my hat is off to to him and, and all the plant breeding work that he's done. I like when you said it's the smell of the South. That just that makes me feel it good. Is. I think there were some gardenias on our in our backyard that, that were volunteers or something and just were there, you know, nobody was cultivating them and I remember coming in the back door I would smell them and I had to ask mm-hmm. every time what I was smelling because I'm I'm not a flower person as much as you and say Mrs. Kearney are, but in any event, uh, it was nice nice smelling those. Now where are we gonna go where are we gonna go tonight? Well, uh, you had mentioned the J.C. Rolston Arboretum, and I would love to give a shout-out to them and um, a touch tonight on gardens that soon, I hope very soon, we'll be able to visit again. We've got so many incredible gardens, public gardens, uh, university gardens, and some, some, some stellar private gardens that we can visit throughout North Carolina and to start right here in Raleigh, you could spend a month just visiting gardens right right here in our own backyard. The uh, J.C. Ralston is a perfect example there on, on Barrel Road. And for people who do not know where Barrel Road is, you can take the turn at the Waffle House that's across from Meredith College's entrance there on Hillsborough Street. There's a turn that will take you over the railroad tracks into Barrel Road. If you take that turn, if you go right and go past Method, then the J.C. Rolston Arboretum will be um, right on the left-hand side there, and there is some parking in front as well as on Barrel Road itself. If you go the other direction, you go down and hit a uh, great spot to eat, uh, Neomond, but that's for another show. <laughs> It is a great place to eat. But the um, Ralston Arboretum, because Barrel runs uh, parallel to Hillsborough Street, uh, you can, from that Arboretum, up on the roof of the McSwain Center, where they've got a walking area and gardens planted up on the rooftop, you can look across and see the state fairgrounds. It's all very close right there together. And the Method Road Research Facilities for the Department of Horticulture are right off of Method Road and back up to the Arboretum property. The original land was um, roughly about eight acres. So it's not a huge place to visit, but it is full of interesting plants. It's normally open. It's not right now because uh, respecting the governor's request to keep um, some of the public spaces that people could uh, potentially congregate in closed right now. Uh, but it is, normally it's open, it's free, it's open from pretty much dawn to dusk every day of the year, and um, you can you can wander through and every plant is labeled. So if you see something beautiful growing there, you can write down the name of it and perhaps find it 
a local garden center and put it into your own garden. There are wonderful programs there. Lots of speakers come in and share their information with the public, not only through nighttime speakers, but the staff do a lot of lectures. There's children's programs there. It is a wonderful place to stroll, and it has a great deal now of handicap accessibility. And this is really critical for people who are pushing, say, a carriage, somebody who may be in a wheelchair, or somebody with a cane or a walker, to be able to stroll those gardens and enjoy nature and have places to stop and rest and sit. And um, that's all thanks to NC State University. And the research that's done there goes around the world. There are plants that are introduced there that, that are nowhere else. And the fact that they're trialing them here to see if they have merit and worth for the green industry and for the home consumer, I think, really speaks volumes of the dedication of NC State. Well, a place that you come to, and we'll just do one more item, and then we'll need to take a break. Uh, and and I hope I'm not taking you away from where you might want to go. And if if so, just say, well, Tom, I really don't want to talk about that. I'll, but that is, it's over the last many years, they have done a lot to upgrade the, the plantings and the flowers and the blooms and all that stuff on the state fairgrounds, haven't they? Yes, yes. And, you know, it's fascinating because we're all connected in this horticultural world that is around Wake County and the triangle here. Um, one of the early fairground uh, horticulturalists was Tony Avent's dad. And then when he retired, Tony Avent was um, leaving NC State Horticulture, and he moved into that position, put some fantastic plantings and things in there. And then as his business, which is Plant Delights Nursery, which is world-famous, started growing, then Tony gradually pulled away from the fairgrounds, and now it's gone through other directors. At one time, Irv Evans was, was working with it, and um, John Bittner was working with it. There's so many different people who have been involved in the, the fairgrounds uh, land, and it is fantastic, Tom. It really is a great place to visit, especially during the fair. Okay. We'll come back. And I, I've told you the story about the uh, the day I went to the Rose Garden with, with my dog, and there was a gentleman there who was clearly of uh, Asian ancestry, and he was dressed in a kind of a uniform. And um, he was um, he was looking for something. I could tell that. So I, being the kind of guy I am, I said, can I help you? And he said, well, he was at Duke attending a worldwide conference. He was actually from Indonesia. And he was at Duke, and he, it happened that he was a, a rose fancier. And he had this big book uh, that he had at home in Indonesia that Rose Gardens of the World. And guess which rose garden was in there, among others? The Raleigh Rose Garden. The Raleigh Rose Garden, and he had taken a cab from Durham and come to Raleigh to see it, but he couldn't quite find it. It was actually right in front of him. He just needed to take a few steps down, and he was there. And so I yeah. helped him with that, and I, I think he, uh, he, he had a good time after that. So uh, That's so there's some famous flowers right here in, in the capital city of, of the old North State. Are you still Absolutely. there, Pam? 
Yes, I am. I, I just didn't know if you needed to, to break away or, or okay. how much time uh, do we Well, have? I will do that. You you are polite, okay. and, and, I, and uh, I just wanted to give you a chance for a response if you wanted to make one. <laughs> you can catch your breath, and if you want to make one about my rose garden or not, we'll have that. Pam Beck, who is our gardening person, is with us tonight. And uh, it's the time of year. Well, it's always the time of year, but I had a lady on from uh, Travel and Tourism last night, and we were talking about places that you could go in North Carolina that were accessible to people who use wheelchairs and, and walkers. Since I'm myself in that situation now, it, just, it was just something that turned out to be, and you mentioned it earlier, and perhaps that's something that we'll bring up again tonight. But Pam is with us tonight to talk about flowers and gardens in North Carolina. Uh, and we'll be back with her in just a couple of minutes. WPTF at 98.5 on the FM dial. And Tom Kearney here live and in real time, as we are every night, Monday through Friday. And tonight we have a very special guest, uh, a guest of long standing, Miss Pam Beck, who is, uh, I really don't know how to describe her. She's our gardening lady, and she writes about it too, and, and occasionally. Uh, she uh, fills in on the Saturday morning program with Mike Gravely and and company and so on. But but we borrow her whenever we can to talk about flowers in North Carolina because I can remember when Pam, are you there? I'm listening, Tom. When with Mrs. Kearney and I were face. dating, we yeah. used to like to go to gardens, and so she always liked gardens. I remember going to the Sarah Duke Gardens with her one time. Uh, but I'm gonna get out of your way and let you decide where to go from here. Okay. Well, I think that's a perfect segue because the Sarah Duke Gardens have been around for a while. Now, I'm not saying that you were there in 1934 when it started, but uh, <laughs> a, a little early, yes. A little early. But, but about what time frame were you and Mrs. Kearney holding hands in Duke Garden? Uh, the late 60s, I think is probably when it was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, that place has changed dramatically, uh, even just since we moved here in 1980. The Serapy Duke Gardens are one of the premier gardens in the state of North Carolina, another garden that is open to the public. It is free. It is uh, gorgeous the way it's laid out, the different uh, themed garden areas they have, the importance of the, the plantings that they have there. It's a respite. It's a 33 acres, uh, right smack dab in the middle of campus. And it is down in a low spot. And, in fact, this area used to be kind of swampy. And uh, Miss Duke wanted to have an iris garden down there. And they kept getting, uh, getting washed out. So eventually, eventually they found places for her iris. But uh, there is a nice water feature. There's lots of water that runs through it. And uh, the terraces are famous for a place for where people go and photograph because they're they're beautiful, but also many weddings happen there. A lot of the Duke students prefer to to get married in those gardens. There's a, a very picturesque wisteria arbor. There is now a Southeast Asian garden, complete with a Japanese tea house and um, moon bridges and lots of water features all back through there. There's a native plant area. It is really a treat to take company. It's uh, no no expenses are are spared on that garden. And there's a ch- 
children's garden now and a dedicated food garden area, too, for those of you who have become really interested in, in trying to grow your own food again while we're all at home. And I know that that, ha- that hobby has really kicked off again. Well, one, it seems like a lot of the schools and universities in North Carolina are places that, that to, I guess this is a bad pun or something, but sprout gardens and, and right. really turn out some, some beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And the North Carolina Botanical Garden at uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill is the third in the triangle, the, the three jewel gardens that are sponsored by universities. And the UNC um, garden there is all native plants. So that garden is especially uh, special. It's nearly 800 acres. And again, this is a tremendous amount of property for a university that, that needs space to put into buildings, but they're reserving this for plants and plantings. It's got a LEED certified uh, education building there where, again, lots of programs and things are held. But all three of these gardens right now, unfortunately, are closed to the public. So if you are making plans because you, you have company coming to visit or you're thinking about going out and strolling these, these gardens right now, because of the COVID-19 restrictions, are closed. But keep checking their websites because if any of these restrictions are lifted, I'm sure that they they will open up again. That was the garden that you and I were talking about yesterday, I think. Oh. Yes. Um, we were talking about it because uh, you had mentioned that you had a book that you were looking at that was written by Dr. C. Ritchie Bell, and it was probably Wildflowers of North Carolina. It, indeed it was, yeah. yeah. Okay, and it, the, the original copy, I have the original first edition, which was uh, written by William Justice and C. Ritchie Bell, and then the second edition was um, Justice Bell and Ann Lindsay. And Ann Lindsay is C. Ritchie Bell's wife. And she was also a, an incredible horticulturalist herself. And this is the guide. If somebody says, I need a book about wildflowers in North Carolina so that I can identify them and I know what they are and I know what's growing then this is definitely the book that I would recommend to all of your uh, listeners. And what was so special about this is Dr. Bell was um, the director of the North Carolina Botanical Garden for quite some time, and he also was over the Coker Arboretum. Now, the Coker Arboretum is that sweet little garden that's tucked right in the middle of the campus, just next to the Botany Department uh, building that's uh, just down from the old well right, as, as you're walking around campus there. And that's part of the system, too. Now, that one is open, but with social distancing. Well, if you want to go to lunch and you're on the campus and you need to cross Franklin Street, you probably have to go through the Coker Arboretum first. To, absolutely, to, absolutely. To get, to get and, um, and the other thing was, do you remember the roses around the big sundial that's there in front of the Moorhead uh, Planetarium? Uh, I'm, I think I do. I'm not really sure. I, I, yeah, that's, that's another fun. part of campus that's that's quite beautiful. Um, and I I will give a shout out to that. Um, I'm I'm very fond of all three of our our major universities that are in this area, but um, 
I must say that many of the smaller schools, too, have beautiful campuses and gardens uh, to enjoy uh, socially distancing. Yes. We need to take a break. Okay. Take a deep breath, and we'll continue right after this. (laughs) With all the sun that we've had today and the rain that we're having tonight and for the next couple of Tom, you there? Ms. Beck, you can keep talking. Okay, I I will. Um, is, is this? Are we? Are is Tom gone? Has he dropped off? I'll give him a call he back. Has, okay, he'll call back. All right. Well, we were talking tonight about the different gardens to come and visit in North Carolina, remembering that a lot of these gardens are closed right now because of difficulty with the coronavirus and the and spacing and not having a space that would allow more than a certain number of people. But there are some gardens in North Carolina that are going to be open, and it depends on if it's a garden that is ticketed. For instance, the Biltmore Garden uh, in Asheville, the part of the Biltmore House, you can buy tickets, but they're limiting the number of tickets sold at a time. So this is something that if you have your heart set on seeing these gardens, you don't stop now, Pam. Hello? I'll have to call her back. Okay, did, did we lose Pam, too? Yep. Okay, put me on the air now. Okay, here we go. Uh, all kinds of electronic difficulties here. Uh, first, we lose Tom, yours truly, and then uh, when he comes back, Pam goes away. But John Sauter, our engineer who's in between us tonight, because I'm working from my study in my home and Pam's working from her, her place, uh, we'll be back talking about the flowers in just a couple of minutes. I will tell you that tomorrow night we'll have part three of uh, Dr. Edward Funkhauser's uh, effort to, to update uh, the necrology of all those people who passed away in the three months between February and uh, the 1st of June that we could not account for, but people that you will want to know that they went away. I, I know one that's on the list who was a big star was Kenny Rogers uh, and uh, we will forget that he passed away, but a whole list of musicians and songsters will be on uh, Dr. Funkhauser's list tomorrow night. John, are you having any luck with Pam? Well, I'm here. She's back. Uh, I'm, okay. For some reason, the, the line went dead, Tom. I don't know why. Maybe it's the lightning bolt or something. Oh, well, it's, it happened here, too. We're, we're, okay. We just went at different times, but there's, there's plenty of time for you now to discourse. Okay, uh, well... Uh, <laughs> well, I was uh, sharing about the, that there are some gardens that are open. They're usually going to be the ticketed gardens, so something where they've got a control and there are only a certain number of people allowed into a garden at a time. For instance, the Biltmore Estate Gardens. You can still visit if your heart is set on it, They are, but they're very limited. And um, if you, you can't just show up and expect to go in, you're going to need to... Uh, contact them ahead of time and buy a ticket. The same thing with the Elizabethan Gardens in um, in North Carolina at the Outer Banks. If you decide that you want to go and visit those, there is a fee involved with those gardens. They are they are um, pub, uh, private gardens that um, that you have to buy a ticket, and that way they can they can kind of manage the crowd size, and that helps a lot. And in fact, I guess the reason that they've closed the gardens that you've spoken about before is they they have an opportunity for a large crowd to gather together. Not that that would necessarily happen, but it could happen, and it would 
be difficult to control it. So the right. easiest way is to to because put the garden off in, limits uh, for the a lot of being. parks. Um, already, and I imagine you you might have spoken about that last night with your your guest who was on last night. But Mike and I um, visit a uh, a park here in Wake Forest, and we're oftentimes surprised uh, by the number of people who will uh, who will gather together. Whether it's for um, maybe it's a, a reading group, a book club, a Bible study, or whatever, but they're they're getting together in, in large numbers, and it's uh, you know, it's one of those risky type things. But I did want to mention, too, that when we think about North Carolina, we think about visiting the gardens of North Carolina, just about every um, college, every small town, you're going to find wonderful niche gardens to visit everywhere. Just check with the Chamber of Commerce and ask, you know, where can I go? I'm a gardener, and I like to see things. Where can I go? Uh, Wilson has a, a rose garden that they're very famous for. Uh, down, If you're down in Wilmington, there's not only the New Hanover Botanical Garden that's associated and taken care of by extension of the Master Gardeners down there, but there's also the historic plantation gardens like Airlie um, that you can go in and visit uh, and see there. If you go up to the mountains, there's the North Carolina Arboretum is outside of Asheville, and we oftentimes only think about the Biltmore House as being the garden, but there's there's that, and there's one at UNC Asheville. There's a very good garden there. And in Charlotte, if you go there, uh, there's a garden, again, at UNC Charlotte that's quite Quite nice and um, very, very good collection, especially for rhododendron. They've got a rhododendron veil, a little low area that is planted up uh, extensively. But also there's Wing Haven, which is a private garden that has been gifted as a, as a, as a park. And the, um, the Elizabeth Lawrence Garden that is now part of the Wing Haven estate is just down the block. And so you can see both of those at one time were quite nice private gardens, but they're they're open to the public now. So that's something. Mrs. Lawrence was a gardening writer like yourself, I believe, wasn't she? She was. She was the first woman to graduate from NC State in landscape architecture. Oh. And she lived in Raleigh, uh, just down off of Hillsborough Street, very close to where the, the International House of Pancakes used to be on Hillsborough Street just down that little road to where, where the farmhouse fraternity now is with her property. Right. And she, Miss Lawrence was um, a garden writer. She wrote a number of books and newspaper articles and did a lot of correspondence with some very famous people, a very influential in getting gardening, um, getting, getting people enthusiastic about trying to grow new and different things. She she was very knowledgeable and had a great style about her. Her writing today is just as fresh as as anything you'd pick up anywhere, and just a well, lovely, lovely person. I'm a bookish person, and I've laid a lot of attention has been paid to ladies like Miss Lawrence, or, or gentlemen for that matter, but more likely women who wrote about gardening and uh, 
and you know reproducing uh, some of their their columns and things that they wrote or or right. writing biographies and so on. Um, would I be out of out of uh, order to mention Bugs Berenger? Oh, not at all. I loved Bugs. Um, great man, charming, sweet, thoughtful, kind. He wrote an article for the News and Observer for many many years, um, and he his wisdom. I I think the reason it resonated with me is he would tell you common sense answers. It wasn't academia. It was the reason that you should plant your camellia shrubs on the west side of your house is because the sun will hit them in the afternoon and not in the morning so that the frost would be off the buds and that way they wouldn't burn and fry. It's common sense, common sense information, but it has it, it has stayed with me for years, and I really appreciate that that kind of writing. He was a charming man. Did you ever meet him? I never did, but I, I wanted to mention. I think he was a, an outstanding photographer, also, if I remember My correctly. Goodness. Yeah, I did not know that about him. I just I had the pleasure to meet him one time. He was given uh, by Irv Evans, who was a Wake County Cooperative Extension Specialist for Home Horticulture. He gave Bugs an honorary Master Gardener um, uh, designation for North Carolina, and I I was lucky enough to be in the audience to get to hear that uh, that award ceremony, but also to meet him afterwards and, and just... I was like a starstruck fan. I was just gushed all over this man. I loved him so much. <laughs> well, you, you know what what you're doing now and what you've been doing for the last few minutes is actually a good thing, I think, because there's not as much uh, tribute paid to the outstanding gardening writers who helped uh, make the, the hobby uh, um, something that larger numbers of people could participate in and have questions answered and, and those sorts of things. So. I absolutely agree. And I think of, of how many wonderful uh, things have inspired me. For instance, Beverly Nichols, a, a man, a British gentleman named Beverly Nichols, wrote a series of gardening books that are charming and funny and wonderful. If you like P.G. Wodehouse, um, who did the G. Oh, goodness gracious, yes. Yes. He is that equivalent, but with gardening books. And his his writing had all but disappeared. And then Roy Dix, who used to be the um, cultural um, writer for the News and Observer, he would he would be the critic for theater and music and the symphony and concerts. He was that art critic for the NNO. Roy loved Nichols' writing so much that he got it resurrected and republished, and it was a great success. And so now you can find Beverly Nichols' books again, and anything by him do, I, again, just for the sheer delight of the craftsman, the wordsmithing that goes into this, and the delightful images that he conjures up. He was talking about, I remember, for instance, he was talking about how delightful it was to see a, a Siamese kitten playing in the lawn, at, you know, and, and chasing butterflies. And, and the, 
Um, one of the things he said is that you should have a party where you invite all your friends over and you give them a bunch of tulip or daffodil bulbs and you have them go out and throw them around in your yard and hide them in secret places and have them all planted exactly where your friends left them for you to discover next year when they popped up. Now, this is the kind of thing that, you know, it, it's whimsical but practical, and, and you're right. The, the that's people that's how you discover it. what you just described is the order of the universe. Is what you're... Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, Tony Avent wrote for the News and Observer for a long time. Um, wrote, uh, and he's the one, the reason that we call it crate murder. You know, a lot of the humorous phrases that we we use for our um, our gardening terms came from people like Tony, and his catalogs are still uh, people people subscribe to his catalogs because they enjoy reading his descriptions of the plants and how to use them as much as they do, you know, just wanting to buy the plants themselves. Well, you, you see, you know then how he was, he was one of my first guests when I started doing this show back in the late 80s, uh, uh, and uh, he would do a slideshow on the radio. And oh, you wonderful. could see how he was able to do the slideshow on the radio, mm-hmm. and it was it was entertaining and informative. He just, he made putting out information fun, and you would, you would end up listening to it. We need to stop, Pam take a little break, come back, and we'll wrap the show up in the the next section, okay? Okay. Okay, we'll be back. 9.51, the Tom Kearney Show, reminding you, Dr. Funkhauser will be back with another edition of the Necrology tomorrow night, following the 9 o'clock news tonight. We've been talking with our favorite gardening lady, Miss Pam Beck. Pam, I think... uh, so what you ought to do now, we've got about five minutes left, and it's always good to think somebody would do this. Just think of some flower, some garden, or something that you just want to go off on right now. Oh, my goodness. That's like asking me to pick my favorite child, Tom. Um, oh. <laughs> there's so many. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I, I could have said, how about orchids or something like that? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, my, my least favorite. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, um, I would love to, to give a, a nod for a minute or two to Hydrangea. Uh, we had talked about how beautiful the gardenias are and that they're in bloom. And, you know, we are in love with magnolias, of course, every every year about this time in June when they start blooming clean and clear. But hydrangeas are such a summer flower, and they speak to us of old-fashioned gardens and, and English gardens, and you see them in almost every gardening book. And we're so lucky here in North, this part of North Carolina that we can grow them and we grow several that are native to uh, us. For instance, the oak leaf hydrangea, which are usually large and white, they have a very large leaf on them. Those um, that started blooming early, started blooming first for us, those are native plants for us. They can do really well in dry shade, and they can tolerate a lot of drought and, and deer damage because they bloom on new wood. And then the Annabelle hydrangeas, those are the ones that um, also are native for us. And these are big white. They look like the mop heads that are pink and blue, but these are pure white. 
and they can tolerate more sun and, again, a little bit more drought. So they're good for people who want something dramatic, but they don't want to put a lot of care into it. But then, of course, the ones that we always think about are the French, or what we used to call Hortensia. Isn't that a great old-fashioned, you know, it's, it was a woman's name, too, Hortensia, um, Hortense. And um, it is the one that we see that are either blues or pinks or some mix in between those two, and they're oftentimes called the French hydrangeas. And those are uh, just so beautiful and starting to bloom now. And and the butterflies adore them. The bees uh, will visit them. And they're just so much fun to cut and bring in the house and, and dry and then after that, very soon, the PG hydrangeas, the ones that we see in the mountains, the pinoculatas, those will start blooming. And these, the new varieties like limelight are quite dramatic, can be small trees. And they're, they're something that's a real treat. And after those get through blooming, then the tardivas, there's another one that will come along in the fall. Uh, closer to uh, August, you'll start seeing some of those bloom. So I, I had to give uh, a nod to these very important flowers in our garden. They're shrubs and trees, and there's even a climbing hydrangea that's a very dramatic vine, too. So a good group of, of plants. If somebody's interested in starting gardening, that's a good gift plant to start with. And it's really so nice to have them around when we were a little bit afraid of going outside. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and to have something in your own yard that you can go and visit, and um, you know, I'm I'm lucky. Mike and I have property, so we go out and stroll it. Even if we're not working in it, we'll take a break from what we're doing and just go outside and walk around to get some fresh air and sunshine to remind ourselves that we're not going to go stir stir crazy in the house uh, during these challenging uh, quarantine times, but. Your garden is a is a good place to to get some fresh air, sunshine, inspiration, uh, motivation, and it's healthy for you, and it it really does help you cope. A friend of mine I was talking to the other day uh, had uh, planted. I, I don't. I seems like he said milkwood or something like that, but he was planting something that was designed to attract butterflies. If he's talking about uh, milkweed, which milk would weed, draw the was. monarch, yeah, it would draw the monarch butterflies in. And we've got, again, lots of native milkweeds here in North Carolina, uh, some that grow in wet spaces, some that are little uh, bright orangey flowers that you see, you know, very low. Uh, some of them, of the taller milkweeds, are, are starting to bloom now. And they're very important not only for the nectar for the butterflies themselves, but this is the plant that the monarchs need in order to lay their eggs on it so that the caterpillars have something to feed on. And this is their primary food source for the caterpillars. So for that next generation of monarchs to come along, you've got to have some some milkweeds. And I'm glad your friend is doing that. That's an excellent he's, plan. And, uh, of course, some of these are on the way to Mexico, too. Pam, I want to thank you for being willing to come and talk with all of our listeners tonight about the flowers and the places that people may go. And it, it maybe we can't go to the 
to the Serapy Duke Gardens or other gardens right now, but the day will come, and we have something to look Ooh. forward to, and I can just go out and look out in the backyard, and Mrs. Carney told me they were knockoff roses or knockout roses or something that, that I was looking okay. at, and that's where the gardenias came from, so they have the right smell. The next time that we're together, I'm going to ask you to talk about the odor of verbenia. Uh, does that strike you as something that would be an interesting topic? <laughs> we, can, we can talk about a lot of things. <laughs> That's one you can, of them. You, you can tell one reason that I like her. She 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 loves flowers. She knows about them, and she has a good sense of humor, too. Pam, I'm going to let you go right now, but I, I hope to talk to you in just a few minutes off the line thank, here. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Bye. Pam Beck. Uh, Pam Beck. Uh, Gardening.com, uh, I think, will get you to our website. You could try that. We'll be back tomorrow night with uh, another edition of the uh, list of those who have gone but should not be forgotten.